Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. We as parents love our children so much that we need to train them up in the way they should go so that when they're old, they're not depart from it, the Bible says. That means that when they're little, we teach them not to cross the street until they look both ways because we want to protect them. We teach them not to put their hand on the stove because they might tip over a hot pot or they might put their hand on a hot burner. So we do what we can to protect our children by warning them of the things they need to be cautious about. Well, God's the same way. Throughout the Bible, God gives us warnings, thousands of warnings. Just look at Adam and Eve. God said, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. When God gives us warnings, he tends also to give us consequences if we disobey those warnings. When God warned Adam and Eve here, was he warning them to be mean or to take away something that they might have wanted or to control them? No, he warned them because he loved them and he was protecting them. He knew the misery that awaited them if they chose to follow their own desires, just as we as parents know that with children. In these last days before the return of Jesus, he has given us many warnings. So we're looking and preparing for his return rather than doing what seems right in our own eyes. I'm Debbie Blank. Today, we want to talk to you about some of the warnings in scripture that God gives because they're pertinent to us today, as well as the warnings that Jesus and others give us in these last times. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. Debbie, when you brought up God's warning to Adam and Eve, I remember so well how my mother always told us girls that God's laws are a protection. She explained it to us exactly the way you did, that God wasn't wanting us to have boring, miserable lives, but that he truly wanted to protect us from harm. So warnings really are tangible evidence of God's love, from the warnings he gave to Adam and Eve in Genesis to Jesus' warnings to the seven churches in Revelation. As such, we need to gratefully and obediently pay attention to his warnings. Amos 3.7 states that surely the Sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. And his prophets, like Noah, Jonah, and Jesus himself, revealed important warnings to his people then and now as we live in these last days before Christ's return. Let's go back and look at some of those warnings from the Old Testament and a few from the New Testament to see what God's purpose is in these warnings. The first one that popped into my mind was the Passover. When you read the Passover discussion of Exodus chapter 12, it's so unique that God had the Jewish people take an unblemished lamb and sacrifice it. When they did, they were to take the blood from that animal and put it on the doorposts of their homes. Why? To protect them. He says in Exodus 12, 12 and 13, For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So even though it was a really strange thing that God said to them to put blood on their doorposts, 
It was a warning. It was a protection for them so that the angel of death would pass over them and not kill them. If they left that door or went out of that house, they would be destroyed along with every one of the ungodly firstborn throughout Egypt. So God warned them, put the blood on the doorpost, and God told them the consequence if they didn't do that. We need to listen to God's warnings and the consequences. It was part of God's love for them to execute the judgment that he needed to execute. He has to make judgment over evil or else he's not who he is. He just wants to make sure that we're not participating in that evil so that we're protected. That's something we need to understand and trust him completely. And when God gives us these warnings, we need to be the watchmen on the wall that tell them to other people so they're aware of them. Because very few people read the Bible and those who read it, a lot of them don't understand it. So we need to be the ones who do understand the truth and the purpose behind God's warning so we can tell others. A good example of that was Jonah. Jonah who ran away from God because God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them that they're going to be destroyed if they don't repent. Jonah didn't want to do it. So he ran away from God. But after he was eaten by a fish and eventually vomited up onto the shores and he asked God to forgive him and he went in to Nineveh. What it tells us in Jonah chapter three, God said to Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So God's caution was, you're going to be destroyed if you don't repent of your sins. And they did because they heard the warning of God and they believed it. It's not Jonah's words, it's his obedience, and it's God working in the hearts of other people. So when we're willing to warn them that their sin or their problems or their direction is going against God, we need to trust God to work in their lives. It's not for us to change them. It's up to us to warn them so they can be protected by God. It reminds me of the verse that talks about how God is unwilling that any should perish. So here are these fierce, terrible enemies. I mean, Jonah had good reason to be concerned about going into Nineveh and not being heard himself, let alone to announce judgment upon them. And yet God knew something that Jonah didn't know. He knew there was something in those people that he was going to be able to reach. Jonah had to be obedient, and God did take care of that. So there's protection for all people if they will only listen to him and come to him. God gave us the Ten Commandments. A lot of people see the Ten Commandments as the don'ts of God. God doesn't want us to have any fun. He won't let us do anything. He tells us, don't, 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 don't. But he gives us the Ten Commandments as a warning. When he says, you shall not make graven images among you. God does not want us to make images because he knows they'll turn us away from God and he knows the judgment that will come from that. When he says, thou shalt not commit murder or thou shalt not commit adultery, Those are protections for us because he knows adultery will lead to so many other problems and sins and destruction of the family. He knows that murder will destroy a human being made in the image of God. And the repercussions for that biblically are that the person who murders would then be killed as a consequence to his decision. So God gives us those commandments for our protection to keep away from sin and to make sure we don't do the wrong things. We have a really good example in Jeremiah 25 of Jeremiah warning the people 
about the Babylonian conquest that was coming upon Israel and climaxed in 586 BC. Now, the whole book of Jeremiah is him warning Israel that if you don't repent, God's going to judge you. But he says in this particular passage, Jeremiah 25, starting in verse 5, Turn now everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your deeds and dwell on the land which God has given to you and your forefathers forever and ever. And do not go after gods to serve them and to worship them and do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands and I will do you no harm. Now there's a promise from God. If you don't do these things, then you're not going to have any harm. He goes on to say in verse seven, yet you've not listened to me, declares the Lord, in order that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to do your own harm. And the work of their hands is building their own gods. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord, and I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring him against this land and against its inhabitants and against all these nations round about, and I will utterly destroy them and make them a horror and a hissing and an everlasting desolation. Well, that's pretty clear. The whole book of Jeremiah is like that. But God says, absolutely, if you do these things, here's the consequence. And we know that Israel was destroyed in 586 B.C. It was taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. He destroyed Jerusalem. He destroyed the temple. And from that point forward, from 586 until 1948, 2,500 years, Israel did not control their own land because they disobeyed God and went after other gods. Now, we don't have gods generally that are made out of metal or wood or any other kind of format, but we do have gods that we follow. Money, lust, sex, greed, pride, those sins that might not be seen by a lot of people, but that are in our hearts that destroy us because they take over the place of God in our lives. And probably more than that is us. We take over the throne of our lives where we want to do what we want to do. And therefore, God can't have any place in that because he won't let us do or doesn't want us to do the things that we want to do that are wrong and evil. He wants us to walk in righteousness and to do what's right in his eyes, according to the word of God and in honoring him and other people. That reminds me, just going back to the Ten Commandments about God's love for us in those commandments because he knows that Satan is so deceptive that he can make evil look really, really good. He can glamorize it, make it look just so wonderful, so much fun, no consequences. My mother used to also say that it's just so enticing up front to do evil, to succumb to the sin. You don't get to see what comes after. The results are devastating. Whereas sometimes doing the right thing seems to be difficult or maybe even a little bit unpleasant sometimes, but the rewards of it that come along afterwards are wonderful and lasting and true. And so I think that's what God has been trying to tell through the Ten Commandments and through all of these warnings and things that, as you said, we've seen in history, his wisdom, that he's been right over and over again, that what he says is right and true and we can trust him. So we're reminded in Hebrews twelve twenty five. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. That's Jesus. For if those did not escape when they refused him 
who warn them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns us from heaven. So there is a warning there. The people didn't listen to Jesus when he was here. A lot of them didn't. And they were destroyed. They died. They went to hell because they didn't turn to Jesus. And this is a warning that if we don't turn to Jesus, we won't be able to escape that judgment either. But if we do turn, we will have eternal life with Jesus. The warnings are meant for our protection. So let's look now at some warnings that God gives us about the future, about the fact that Jesus is going to be returning. And we believe soon because of all the fulfilled prophecies and what he has warned us about in talking about these end times. The best place to look for his own words are in Matthew 24. So we're going to pull a few things out of there where Jesus first says, see to it that no one misleads you. He actually says that several times in Matthew 24. The whole context of that chapter is Jesus answering his disciples when they asked him, tell us when will these things be? That's the destruction of the temple. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So Jesus is giving them the signs of his coming and of the end of the age, the warnings. And he says people are going to be misled. Now he's talking here about being misled of who's the Messiah or spiritually misled there to believe someone else is the true God, which would be the Antichrist. But it's also a warning to us that we're not misled biblically and spiritually. And we are being misled. We're being misled by all the laws that are being made, the decisions that are happening that go against the Bible, the direction that the media is speaking to us about in Hollywood, making things seem right. We're being misled all the time. People don't know now where to find genuine truth. For example, a lot of times I will just read the heading of an article to see if it interests me to move on. And the headings of articles, even by good Christian authors, are so provocative that you start believing something that isn't true when you read the article. So we have to be careful not to be misled specifically about truth. And the truth comes from the word of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we have to make sure that we follow Jesus and we follow the plumb line of the truth because our society has no plumb line right now. There is no truth in our society, but there is for us to following the truth of Jesus. And he warns us that it's only going to get worse until he returns. And Satan, as the God little g of this earth, just thrives on confusion. He is the God of confusion. As he produces that in, in all of us, and people don't know where to turn, there's chaos. And when we have God's word, we have that standard that never changes. We can have the stability in the midst of chaos to be able to survive and to look toward Jesus. And Jesus warned us that these last days are going to be just like they were at the time of Noah. Now Genesis 6.6 6 tells us that God was grieved in his heart that he had made man, that every intent of man's heart was only evil continually. Well, it's going to be that way here at the end, and we're seeing it. We've seen it change just in the last few years and certainly the last few decades. Jesus warned in Matthew twenty four thirty seven to 39, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, but there is when you're doing it in a way that does not a God and God said that they were. He goes on to say, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. 
so will the coming of the Son of Man be. So God's warning us that if we don't change our hearts, our actions, our attitudes, if we don't turn back to God, if we don't confess our sins to him, then we're going to experience the same results as they experienced at the time of the flood. And that was destruction. And that's the way it's going to be. People are going to be blinded by being misled. And if they follow that, and if they follow their own desires, then the tribulation is going to come upon this earth and they're going to go, oh, what's going on? I don't deserve this. And yet the wrath of God is upon them because they turned from God. God has warned them, go back and see what it was like at the time of Noah and then turn your heart so that we do not experience the same thing. I think about all the distractions of life, the things that are mentioned in that scripture, the normal distractions of life that cause us to drift away so that if the Bible and God's word and Jesus are not the center, we don't have that anchor to keep us in place. And we can then say, as we're reading this passage in Matthew 24, you think about the people of Noah's day and you think, how could they have been so oblivious? And yet they were. And how are we today? How many people are just totally oblivious to what God has told us to expect? The amount of people on the earth at that time, only Noah was considered righteous. God saved him because of his righteousness, he and his family. Will he save us? Will we be one of those righteous when the time comes? We need to ask that because God's warning us. The days that we're living in are progressively getting worse, so we are more and more like the time of Noah. And that's why Jesus warns us in Matthew 24, 42. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. If we are just living our lives for ourselves, we're not on the alert for Jesus coming. How many of us are looking and anticipating the glorious return of Jesus Christ? Most people don't even think about it. And most of the people that I know that are looking for that are really looking for the rapture to get out of here more than looking for Jesus returns. He wants us to be alert, which means we have to take our eyes off the world and put our eyes on Jesus so we know what these signs are and we know what to be alert for. He goes on to warn us in Matthew 25 in the story of the 10 virgins. They weren't prepared. I'm going to read this whole passage because I think it's important to hear the story. Starting in verse 1, it begins, Then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delayed, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all these virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealer and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day or the hour. That's the second time Jesus has made that exact statement. Be on the alert then. You have to know the story of the Jewish wedding feast, which is that the father and the bridegroom came to the potential bride and made an agreement for the marriage. 
And at that point, they were married in legally in God's eyes and in people's eyes, they were married. So if they broke off that, what we would consider an engagement, they had to file a certificate of divorce. Then he would go home and he would prepare a place where they could live. And when the father said the time is right, your place is ready, go get your bride. It could be any time. And she didn't know when he was coming. So she had to be ready when he came. Usually they came in the evening, big procession and the people needed lamps. So that's what the story is all about. But the idea here is that five of the virgins were ready and five of them weren't. Now that's not saying that half the world's going to go to heaven and half isn't. It's just an example of God saying how we need to be the wise virgins, not the foolish ones. We need to have our lamps prepared. We need to do whatever we need to do to have that relationship with Jesus Christ and be walking with him instead of in the world so that we are ready when our bridegroom comes and we are alert. He gives us the warning. He gives us the consequence. I was just imagining what it must be like to be that bride knowing that that young man is coming back for her and needing to be prepared and needing to be ready because it could be any time. Do you think she would get distracted by other things to where she forgot about that and it just wasn't on her mind? I can't imagine that. You would think that that would be on her mind at all times. It's interesting that that's the example that Jesus used in this parable because that's how he wants us to be. And when he gives us the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, the book that talks about what's going to happen during the seven-year tribulation period and the coming of Jesus Christ, he starts the book out in Revelation 1-3 by saying, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. So again, it's not a warning as much as it is an exhortation to hear the words and heed them, obey them because the time's near. It's going to come before we know it. Nobody knows the day or the hour. And if we're not ready, we're going to be in a problem like the people are in that book as we read through the tribulation period. What I've noticed as we've been talking about this protection that God has for us is there are warnings that have to do with protecting us from a terrible consequence. And there are also warnings that have to do with wanting to make sure that we don't miss out on a blessing that he has for us. I'm reminded of Psalm 19 that gives us encouragement too about heeding God's warnings. It says the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So if we follow the precepts of God, we're right. We have rejoicing in our hearts. We're pure. Our eyes are open to things that we might not see. It goes on to say in verse nine, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous together. So we have the purity, the blessings of the Lord are great and they endure forever, but there's also judgments and judgments are righteous, God tells us. Moreover, it says in verse 11, by them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. We are warned that if we follow the direction of God, he will bless us. Now, that doesn't mean everything is going to go right. Just in the last week, we've had issue after issue after issue after issue. Little things, breaking things, you know, things not working out the way we thought. That happens. That's part of life. But if, when we follow the Lord, our attitudes have the right attitudes in trusting him. And then we see what he's going to do to make these issues right or to provide for the issues. It's all about God. God so loves us 
that he wants to do things for us. I'm reminded of Luke 11, 11 that says, now suppose one of your fathers is asked by a son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he has asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God wants to do exceeding abundantly for us beyond all that we could ask or think, according to Ephesians 3.20. That's why he warns us. He wants to protect us. He wants us to receive his blessings, but we must obey God to receive them. Because we're running out of time, I'm only going to read one more of the many warnings that prepare us for Jesus' return because he wants us to be ready. And that's the mark of the beast that is described in Revelation 14, 9 and 10, as well as Revelation 13. But here it says in Revelation 14, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. Anyone who accepts the mark of the beast in the last days is being warned right here that if they do that, if they worship the beast, the Antichrist and his image, he doesn't have a chance to go to heaven. He's going to spend eternity with fire and brimstone, it says here. That's God's warning. That's God's consequence for those who don't follow him. There are thousands of warnings in scripture and hundreds of warnings of being prepared in these last days before Jesus returns. God loves us so much that he wants us to heed these warnings. So we will listen. We will be prepared. We will obey. We will follow him. He wants to protect us from this evil. He wants us to repent and obey his word. But are we willing to do that? Are we willing to give up ourself and our pleasures? We must, because he warns us what will happen if we don't. He's coming soon, and he wants us to be ready so we don't suffer the consequences of the tribulation period, the wrath of God on this earth. He really sums up his warnings in Deuteronomy 28. You can read that on your own. But in that passage, he tells the Israelites, that if you will obey my word and do these things and follow these statutes that I have given you, I will bless you. And as you read the blessings, they're blessings beyond measure. Then he says a few verses later, but if you will not obey my word and my precepts, then these are the cursings that will fall upon you. And the cursings are much more devastating and much more lengthy than the blessings. Because as you and I know, if we follow Jesus, the blessings are just everything, everything that we have in God and with him, we are blessed with even in the bad things. But the curses, when we make mistakes, they seem to go on and on and on and on and on. God warns them with the blessings and he warns them with the cursings. Which will you choose? You have a free will. You can choose whatever direction you want to go. You're going to follow God's blessings or his cursings. I leave you with what Joshua said in Joshua twenty four fifteen. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, 
You decide who you're going to serve. It's up to you. But I'm choosing to serve the Lord. And they respected Joshua and they followed the Lord too all the days of Joshua's life. Whom will you serve? Make the decision today. Heed God's warnings because the time for Christ's return is coming shortly. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.